Amen. How are we doing, church? Good. Very good. Very good. Thanks for hanging out with us, kiddos. Glad. Great having you guys in here, man. Look over and see all the kids singing and they're clapping and dancing and having a good time. Praise God. Well, as I mentioned to you a few moments ago before we moved in our um, congregational singing, uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 5 today, and I've entitled the message today, Walk It Out, Walk It Out, and we're going to see exactly what I mean by that here in just a couple of moments. But over the last few weeks, as you know, if you've been here, uh, when we switched over to chapter 4, we've, we've made a little bit of a change in the way in which the Apostle Paul is describing these things and, and telling these things to the church at Ephesus, and then also to us as we're reading it today, so many years after it's been penned. But we know that from a couple of weeks back, we, we've switched over from this, this theological concept and understanding our place of who we were before God and who we are now that we've come to know God. And when we switched over to four, we're, we're in this applicable state where we're learning these things and how we're supposed to walk and live our lives in this new self, in this person that has been saved by God Almighty. And so I want you to be thinking today about your walk. If you know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want you to be thinking today about the walk in which you have with Him. I want you to think about that in the concept of what are you doing in your daily life? How are you living in this new self? And if you're here today and you don't know who Christ Jesus is as Lord and Savior, I pray that by the end of this service, you'll have a great idea of what it means to follow Jesus and what exactly he has done for you. So with that said, I, I, I want to go ahead and just dive right in. We've got, we've got about 20 different verses to go through. So if you would, let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's word. And we start in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. The word of the Lord says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works or darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time of worship we've had today, Lord, to proclaim these songs to you, Lord, to sing praises to you and to worship you for what you have done for us. Lord, we we do not deserve the great love and grace and mercy that you give to us, but Lord, we're so thankful and grateful that you do. Lord, we love you so much. Father, I pray now as your word is proclaimed that you would be with this sinner, Lord, that you would just use me as your vessel, that you would speak through me, God. Lord, that you would just move powerfully in this place. I pray that every distraction would fade away and that we would hear from you right here, right now in this place. And brother, and Father, I lift up our brothers and sisters in this community that are gathering and lifting your name on high. Lord, I lift up our, our brothers and sisters over at St. Andrew's Park Circle. I pray for Pastor David as he brings the word and, and Philip, Lord, as they minister to their congregation. I pray that you would use them powerfully here in this community for the sake of the gospel. We love you, Father, and we praise you. And it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right, so in this passage of Scripture today that we are looking at, my prayer and hope is that you are going to see that Paul is describing how the believers, how the Christians are to walk in this new self, in this new life, and living a holy life, and doing so in three different ways. And the first of that, we'll dive right in, is to walk in love by imitating God. Walk in love by imitating God. Look at verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. As Pastor Troy established last week, and then I said it the week before, and then we've said it also earlier in this sermon series... You see that word, therefore, and it's a transitional type phrase. Paul has just established, concluding in four, these principles that we need to live by, these things in which we need to do in this newlywed walk, as Pastor Troy preached on last week. I encourage you to go and listen to that so you can have a good understanding of what I mean by that. But he's finished up that saying and those teachings that he said at the end of chapter four, excuse me. And as he's moving into five, he says, therefore. So because of this, be imitators of God as beloved children. We are beloved children of God if we know Christ Jesus as Lord. Amen. Isn't that so incredible to think about? The God who created everything and spoke the world into existence has adopted you as his child because of the sacrificial atoning work of Jesus at Calvary. It's incredible to think that The one true God, the I am, the Alpha and the Omega, knows me by name. Knows you by name if you know Christ Jesus as Lord. It's so incredible to think that we are his children. We've received grace and mercy that we do not deserve. We deserve God's wrath. And yet it's been given to us because of Christ Jesus' work on the cross. In his resurrection from the dead, that when we profess Christ as Lord, we have been changed. We are sons and daughters of God. And so therefore, Paul is saying we need to imitate God. We know that God is love. We know that God is just so incredible. 
incredible in grace and mercy. There's so many different characteristics of God that we could spend hours and weeks and months preaching on and teaching about. But if you know Christ Jesus as Lord, you've experienced the transforming power of God in your life because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. He lives in you. And because of that, you, as you have grown in your walk with Christ, have come to know God more and more piece by piece, little by little, day by day. And you know the the way in which he loves, the way in which he cares, the way in which he calls us to be obedient. And so because you know these things about God and you have experienced this with Christ and the Holy Spirit, you're able to see the way in which we are to live and to walk and to be imitators of God. For those of you that have children or are are around kids or if you're a grandparent, you understand this because you've seen it somehow, some way. I think about with Adeline and Noah, the more and more that Adeline gets older, the more and more I see the way in which she imitates Miranda as her mother. Now, she still imitates me, and it's not necessarily the best things to imitate, but she does it. She's, she's got a little bit of an attitude problem. Sometimes her daddy has an attitude problem. But she has these things, these characteristics that I see in her that she starts to imitate her mother. And Noah, just at 17 months old, I can start to see little bits and pieces of him to where I can see he's starting to imitate things like his dad, which is probably not a good thing. But I can see these things, and we can see this with children. I've seen this with other kids in ways in which they spend time getting to know their parents because that's the the group of people they're around the most, usually, unless there's a special kind of circumstance. But as these children are around a parent, you see them start to adapt and apply these things to their life of imitation of a parent. It's because they know the parent. It's because they love the parent. It's because they have this deep relationship with the parent. And therefore they imitate. Some would say it's with siblings, monkey see, monkey do. There's a little bit of that going on in my household right now too. I'm trying to remind Adeline, you've got you to set the best example because your brother's starting to imitate you. But you got to think about that. In those kind of relationships where there's that deep of connection, there's starting to, you start to see imitation start happening. You, you see the, the child wants to be like the parent in the way in which they do things. Think about that in regards to you as a child of God. And the characteristics and the way in which you know God because of the experience you've had with Him growing in that relationship. You have the ability to then imitate the things of God because you've experienced them. And, and we know the love of God that he's shown to us. So therefore, we should try our hardest every day to seek to glorify God and live holy lives. Look at verse two. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We see their walk in love. And it reminds me back from a couple weeks ago in, in chapter 4. You can put this up there. Ephesians chapter four seventeen. Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. That's from Ephesians four seventeen. Now, if you remember when I spoke on that a couple weeks ago, I was trying to get across to the point as, as, Paul, as Paul says, do not walk in the way that they do. Trying to encourage them to flee from the old self. Remember I said you, it's this daily walk. And it's this walk, you're living it out. So in that context, Paul is saying, don't live and walk in the way that the Gentiles do. 
But here, as we see, it says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as a fragrant offering. So as you're walking day by day, as you're taking each minute of every moment of every day, as you're living this life, walk in love. Demonstrate the love that Christ Jesus has shown to you because of his sacrificial atonement. If we are if we are going to go about and walk as the Gentiles do, then we're not going to proclaim Christ. We're not going to show the things of God. So we must walk in this way that is a fragrant offering to God. Now, think about that in the context of the Old Testament. I've got an example for you. Genesis chapter eight, 20 through 21. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again strike down every living creature as I have done. This is this is after the flood has happened and God is making his covenant with Noah and Noah is there and he is providing this sacrifice to God. And it says there that it was every clean animal and every clean bird and offered a burnt offering. It was a pleasing, fragrant aroma to God. Because it was done in complete obedience to God and in worshiping God and saying, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for sparing my life. Thank you, Lord, for using me for this purpose. I worship you and I sacrifice this to you. Now, in the context of the New Testament, Jesus is that fragrant offering. There needed to be a fragrant offering to where it would be pleasing to God that the sin that separates man from God would there be corrected. And it was through the sacrificial atoning work of the spotless lamb of Jesus Christ at Calvary. Thank God that that happened. And the moment that it did, although God had to turn his back for that moment as his wrath was poured out on Jesus. Jesus says it is finished. And he gives up his spirit. And death is defeated. In the midst of what we can see as a very harmful, hurtful, sad thing that happened to Jesus. It's the greatest thing that could have happened to us. And as that happens, it's this fragrant aroma to God Almighty. Because of what Jesus has done. Taking our place at the cross. Thank God. Thank God that this has happened so that we may have the right to call upon the name of Jesus as Lord. And to be made right in the relationship with God as it was intended from the start. Jesus performed the greatest example of love to us. It says there to walk in love. Jesus is the fragrant offering. Jesus is the perfect substitute. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus loved us enough. God loved us enough. That Jesus would lay down his life for us. Praise God that that happened. Because we have the opportunity to be made right with God. Hallelujah. Second thing we see in this passage. Walk in the light, fleeing the darkness. Walk in the light, fleeing the darkness. Verse 3. 
But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Now, Paul is moving into this section and he's describing how we as children of God are to walk in the light and we are to flee the darkness. And he's giving us examples of this. Now, here he's specifically talking about sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness. Now, this is not just summed up in just one little specific sin. This includes any and all kinds of sexual immorality. This includes adultery, fornication, homosexuality, etc. All impurity. All covetousness. All things that are impure and not of God and not to be coveted after, not to be made an idol of, not to be anything that separates us from our focus being on God. Paul's driving home the point, you must flee from these things. They are part of the old self. They are part of what the enemy uses to draw temptation, to take our focus off of God, to give in to those things, to destroy our lives. I think it's something very important that we need to note about this. In verse 3, when Paul's talking about sexual morality, you have to remember... These scriptures are written a long time ago. And yet there is still issues of sexual immorality in the world today. This is almost like the button that Satan will just continually push. To take the focus off of God and lure us into temptation. Lord, people away from the calling which God's given to them. Lord, people away from the marriage that God has blessed them with. There are so many different ways in which the enemy uses these sins that are impure. We're not to be coveting after things that are not ours either. We're not to be longing after what others have, saying, man, I really want that for me. Now, you may be sitting there and you may say, well, Brian, you're, you're harping on this, man, but, but please, I, I don't struggle with these things. Well, then whatever thing that you do struggle with. Because every single one of us sins. And if you don't, come on up here and you can preach. Every single one of us sins. Every single one of us struggle. And thank God we have the grace of Christ poured out to us every day. Thank God that we have it. Because I'm just a sinner saved by Jesus that gets to stand here because of the calling God's placed in my life. And I thank Him for that. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be a child of God. If you're a child of God, you don't deserve it either. But thank God that He's given it to us. Verse 4 says, let there be no foolish, foolishness, filthiness, excuse me, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Keep a clean, holy mouth and let there be thanksgiving. Don't let there be crude joking. Don't let there be immoral things that are coming out of your mouth. Don't let there be gossip. Don't let there be things that are not of God and not pleasing of God come out. You see, because here's the thing. 
Whatever we're allowing to fill us is going to come out of us. Think about that. If you're struggling with any kind of sin, whatever it may be, if you're allowing that sin to continually come and fill you, you're continually dwelling in it, you're continually messing with it, you're continually cheating on your taxes, finances, whatever it is. If you are continually doing this and letting it fill you, the heart is already deceitful. It's going to come out. And it's probably going to cause destruction. Because that's what sin does. We must continually be filling ourselves with the things of God. We must continually be filled with the Spirit, as we're going to see in a few moments. We must continually be pursuing Christ Jesus and being filled in His Word. So that when that fills us, the living water fills us every day and it cleanses us continually. That then comes out. And we're able to be children of light and we're able to live a life that projects Christ Jesus to the world around us. And they're able to see it through our actions and through our words. And they're able to say, man, I want what he's got. I want what she's got. Five says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is, who, who covets is an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or God. In, in Mark's account in 836, Jesus says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What does it profit a man to gain everything and lose his soul? There's a difference in struggling with sin, but being convicted about it and working through it and trying to repent of it and move from it. There's a difference between that and continually running to sin, feeling no conviction, letting there be no repentance and not fleeing from it. We must If we know Christ and we've been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, when we feel that conviction, we must repent. We must turn and flee from it. Paul makes it clear that sons of disobedience, those who do not know Christ, there will be separation from God for eternity. Verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Be watchful of who you are around. Unfortunately, today, there are those around us that are mainstream, even locally, whatever you may say about it, who talk a great talk, but they live and walk a very sinful walk. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with just saying things but don't live it out. They are not genuinely converted, you could even say. Think about these things. There are those that continually live in habitually disobedient sin and have not repented. We need to pray for these people. We need to love these people. And we need to point them to Jesus. Verse 7 says, therefore, do not become partners with them. 
For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Verse 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Here again, we see this transitional word of therefore by the Apostle Paul. Therefore, because of these things, do not become partners with them. Now, Paul is not saying to not spend time with unbelievers. That would be contrary to anything that Jesus did. Every time we look into the gospel account, we see these examples of where Jesus is hanging out with the sinners. Just this week, I was reading through the beginning of Luke. And in chapter 5, where he goes to call the disciples, it's got the account where he calls Levi, who would then become Matthew. Levi is a tax collector. He's pretty much scum in the society. Because he's stealing people. He's stealing from people. He doesn't care. And yet Jesus comes up and he says, follow me. Levi leaves everything and immediately goes and follows Jesus. And then Jesus is seen hanging out with him. Enjoying his company and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious who who are the rulers, they say, why are you hanging out with these people? Why are you hanging out with him? What is wrong with you? This is what Jesus did. Jesus went to those that needed the physician. So Paul is not saying here, do not hang out with these people, do not be with them. But what he is addressing is the fact that we are to join them, but not in their sin. We are to spend time with them, but do not give in to the sins in which they live and are indwelling themselves in. Instead, be around them and point them to Jesus through your words and your actions. Be a light in the midst of the darkness. We are to walk as children of light because our identity is in Christ. That is who we are. And it's because of Ephesians 2, 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were what Paul addresses in 2, 1 through 3 as a son of disobedience separated from God. But God, being rich in mercy, saved you. That is your identity. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light and in him no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And in nine there where it says the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. It's this fruit that we live out. You can refer back to Galatians five and look at the fruits of the spirit. Those are the things if you follow Jesus in complete surrender and you live your life saying, Lord, I want to be obedient to you and trust you and follow you. Those fruits of the spirit should be pouring out of you as you live your life. Verse 10 says, And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. 
Folks, the only way to discern what is pleasing to the Lord is to continually pursue Christ and seek wisdom and guidance from Him. We must not walk in a way that is pleasing to those around us. Think about that. The lost that are around you that do not know Christ... If you are actively every day pursuing Jesus and saying, I'm living for you, sold out 100%, the only opinion of persons pleasing that you want to have is God's. It does not matter what other people think. People may say, you're living too holy. You think you love this Jesus too much. They may ridicule you. They may make you feel belittled. They may think that you are the worst person on the planet because you identify yourself as a Christian. Then so be it. Jesus made it clear that we were going to be looked upon as outcasts, if you will, because we live for him in the midst of the darkness. Verse 11 says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. We must have no part of what the darkness has and we must expose it for what it is. Sin. The darkness is sin. It is evil. Do not go about exposing through gossip. Do not go about exposing talking bad about people. But as you live your life for Christ, as you are engaging the people around you, the people that are far from God but close to you, the people that God has divinely placed in your life so that you can represent Jesus to them, model the way in which you are to walk. Walk in love. Walk in the light so that those that are in the darkness may see. Because here's the thing. If you are living for Jesus and you are shining your light so bright, that thing is going to be so bright, the darkness will want to flee. You are going to be so bright and radiating for Jesus that it doesn't mean you just walk around and say, look at me. I'm living for Jesus. I'm Captain America for Jesus. No, don't do that. But live your life humbly and say, Lord, I don't want the praises. I don't want the glory. I want all of that to go to you. I want all of it to go to you. I just want to live my life as a humble servant saying, yes, Lord. If you do that, you will shine so bright in the darkness. And you will make an incredible impact for the kingdom of God. I guarantee it. Will it be hard? Absolutely. But it's worth it. Live for Jesus so boldly, so proudly because of what he's done for you. There are things, as verse 12 says, that they do that are just too shameful to mention. Again, we're not to participate in these things. We're supposed to expose them as we live our lives in the light. Will there be times where you need to have tough conversations? Absolutely. I would dare say this within the Christian community. If you have a brother or sister that is sinning. That's going to be a tough conversation. But praise God, you both know the same Jesus. You've both been radically changed by the same Jesus. So in a way, it makes the conversation, although it's hard, it makes it a little bit easier because you know Jesus. You start to talk to someone that doesn't know Christ. 
it may be a little tougher because they're, they almost in a way may feel like, man, they're, they're beating up on me. They're coming down on me. Don't give in to fear about that. If God has divinely told you to minister to a person in their sin, separated from God, be obedient. I promise you, as hard as it may be, if you're obedient and you trust God in and through it, he will be with you every step of the way. He will give you the wisdom and the counsel that you need to minister. And if you don't feel even then like you have it all together or you have enough, seek out those around you that love Jesus and that will come alongside you and help you. Don't just throw in the towel because Satan is telling you you can't do it. You are being equipped. Every time you open the word of God, every time you stand in this place and you hear the word of God proclaimed in there while you're hearing the word of God teached, taught, excuse me, you are hearing these things and you are being equipped. Very quickly, 13 and 14. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. I think I've already established that. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, we're not exactly sure what specific thing that Paul is quoting here. There are different pieces of scripture that kind of parallel with this, that what he's saying here. And I can give that to you at a later time, not to overwhelm it on the board or anything like that. But there's several different scriptures that can kind of be placed together. It's not a direct quote from another passage. That's what I'm trying to get to you. However, most scholars believe that this right here, these little bit of a saying, these three lines in my Bible, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It is believed that this is taken from a hymn or some kind of song or confession that was proclaimed at the time of a person being baptized. Which I think it's great, but I think you can even take it a step further and think about this in the context of your life. If you're someone that maybe you feel like, man, I... I'm not living like I should for Christ. Then awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and let Christ shine on you. Be an instrument for God. Be a vessel so that God can use you for his glory and for the kingdom. Lastly, third point, walk in wisdom, making the best use of your time. Walk in wisdom, making the best use of your time. 15 says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. He says there to look carefully as a wise person. First and foremost, continually pray for wisdom from God. The half brother of Jesus, James, says in 1 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Pray for wisdom from God. He'll give it to you. Look carefully every day. We established a couple weeks ago that the putting on of the new self, it's a daily occurrence. So as you are looking carefully as a wise person does, look carefully daily. Daily examine yourself. James also later in his book talks about looking in a mirror. It's almost as if in that regard, what he's saying there is if a person looks in this mirror and they're still not living the way they should, it's like they look in a mirror and they can't even recognize themselves. For you, believer in Christ, every day, wake up 
and look carefully at yourself. See the things in which you need to repent of. See the things in which God is doing in you as he's filling you up daily. When it says there to make the best use of time, it comes from the the Greek and it refers to redeeming or purchase. So Paul is saying here in verse 16 to redeem each day because they are evil. Stay the course. Redeem each day. Each day is evil. Each day will have its trials and its worries and its doubts and its attacks from the enemy. But stay the course. Continually keep your eyes on Jesus and pursue him. 17 says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We must understand God's perfectly revealed will. Now, this is not just talking about finding God's will in your life when you're trying to make a decision about a calling, about a next step in your life, about a job. This is understanding the will of God that's already laid out for us within Scripture as well. Paul's describing the Lord's will in this Christological type emphasis. It's with our renewed minds, as Paul talks about in Romans 12. We come to understand the will of Jesus with this renewed mind. We have learned Christ, as we talked about a couple weeks ago in 420. We are lights in the world, as Paul has said earlier in this chapter. And we must do the things that are pleasing to the Lord. It all goes back to a daily submission to the Lord and saying, God, speak to me through your word and use me for your will and your glory. I'm yours. Verse 18 says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Drunkenness was a problem in the ancient world. There is not a clear understanding here. If Paul is saying this, telling this to the Ephesians to not get drunk because it was something of their issue or if it was just a temptation of the times. But he makes it clear there. Do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. If you get drunk. Your mind is not going to think clearly. You are going to be distracted. You are not going to be working through things as you would with a clear mind if you were not drunk. But what I want you to really focus on there is the last part of 18. Be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Remember a few moments ago when I was saying not to fill yourself up with the sin. And the things of sinful nature, but be filled with the things of God, be filled with the spirit. He already lives in us. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And so every day as we come to the Lord and his word, the spirit is continually filling us. We're continually being renewed because of what God is doing in us. He's transforming us all the time. We are saved. We are done. We are signed, sealed, delivered. We are His. Thank God we're His. We're saved. That's done. But every day, thank God that Brian is not the same guy he was when he was saved in 96. Because I wouldn't be able to stand here. I wouldn't meet any kind of a qualification. Thank God that we're continually spilled by the Spirit. Thank God that that is the case for us. Thank God that He fills us every day. Put off the things that don't matter. 
Seek the things that do. Seek Christ. Lastly, in band, you can come forward. 19 says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be thankful for what God is doing and has done in us. And we should boldly, loudly proclaim it in song when we gather together corporately with the saints. We should do it as we drive down the road. People may think we're crazy singing our hearts out in the car. That's all right. We should just be so just in awe of what God has done in and through us and for us. That we want to shout it from the rooftops. That we should be so thankful for what has been done for us. My question to you is, do you know this Jesus? Are you thankful to this Jesus for what he has done for you? I pray that you do. I pray that you are thankful for what he's done for you. If you feel like you're at a point where you're like, man, Brian, I'm not living the way I need to. For whatever reason it may be. And I need to talk to somebody. I'm going to be down here. Miss Rachel, if you'll come up here, we're going to be standing here. We'll be happy to pray with you and talk with you through anything. If you don't feel comfortable doing that now, we can do it afterwards. We're going to be here. I pray that you're going to stay and eat. You're about to have some good food. I promise you. But God, is if he is doing something in you, come and see one of us. If you do not know this Jesus, today may be the day of salvation for you. Please talk to us. He will radically change your life. Flip it upside down and give you the hope of eternal life with him forever. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for what you've done for us, God. We do not deserve any bit of what you've done for us. But thanks be to God, Lord, that you have done it. Thanks be to God that you have given us Christ Jesus to die in our place at Calvary. Father, I pray, Lord, that whatever you need to do here and now, right now in this moment, that you would Father, I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together.